Sunday Sermons from Trinity UMC in Lincoln, a podcast to help on the faith journey. Now on to this week's message from Pastor Jeff Slater. Well, some things are easy to measure. (laughs) How beautiful was the weather outside? We could answer that question with a thermometer, couldn't we? (laughs) And you know when it's hot and it's summer or when it's windy in the winter, we can even factor in the humidity and wind chill to figure out exactly how it feels, right? We can measure that. How fast is a car going? We have a speedometer. And if yours doesn't work, there's always a radar gun, right? (laughs) Some things are easy to measure. But some things are hard to measure. So for instance, what if I said, which one of these is the cutest? Oh man, right on cue. (laughs) Is it working back there, Molly? Okay, which one of these is the cutest? <laughs> I can already see arguments breaking out. <laughs> That's great, right? Some, now, I'll, I'll bet you that there is some scientist somewhere who's tried to co- quantify cuteness, like, you know, how big the eyes are, that kind of thing, right? But some things are harder to measure, like cuteness, right? <laughs> and so this morning, I want to ask, how do we measure faith? You know, how do you know if you're following God well or if you're just spinning your wheels and wasting your time with this whole church thing? Now, there's a sense in which you can't measure faith. Of course, it's something that we just know. It's something that God knows. God knows us deeper than we know ourselves. You know, how can we even hope to measure it? But at the same time, it's nice to have a few guidelines, a few signs to know that we're doing it right. And so today, we're starting this new series called The Fruit of the Spirit, How to Know You're Doing It Right. Now, this idea of fruit is one that's been used many times over the centuries, uh, including by Jesus, and Jesus himself and in lots of places in Scripture, uh, oftentimes asking the question, is there fruit? Now, think about it for a second. Any healthy plant will bear fruit. Now, every plant's fruit looks a little different, right? An apple tree produces a different fruit than a cherry tree, for instance, and an orange tree more different still. In the sense we're talking about today, a pumpkin is a fruit, right? At least a fruit born by a plant. An ear of corn is another type of fruit that's born. A flower is even a type of fruit. And I like that one in particular because not uh, not every fruit that's born may not serve as practical as a purpose as it might seem at first glance, yet how important are flowers to the world? You know, we have a lot of retired pastors in our church, and they all know, I'm sure, that one of the uh, questions that John Wesley would ask his Methodist preachers is to look at their ministry and ask, is there fruit? Is there fruit being born by how you're spending your time as a pastor? And so this is a useful and helpful question uh, to, to ask what fruit is born by our faith. Now, the Apostle Paul, we heard a minute ago in our scripture reading, he coined the term the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, and, uh, and then he listed some common ones. So I want you to hear it again. You know me, I always think you can't, you can't really soak in scripture only hearing it one time. It's got to be, uh, it's got to be several if it is to stick. But this is how Paul says it. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 
Now, these are all the fruit that's born by living a life of faith. If, if you, I, I'm kind of belaboring this because I want to make sure this gets in, right? If you're living a life of faith, you will bear these kinds of fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, it might look a little differently. Just like an apple tree is different than an orange tree is different than an ear of corn, each one of us may have those in different proportions. But you can look at your life, and if you're allowing God to, to work in you, you're going to see some of the things on this list. And so each week during this series, we're going to drill down. We're going to take a, well, we won't quite get through all of them. It's a long list. But we're going to drill down on some of them and look at what it looks like when that fruit is born in your life. And uh, I don't know if you're like me. This just speaks to my own insecurities. Whenever I hear the, the, the question, is there fruit, I feel like I'm being judged. <laughs> and I don't think that's really a helpful way to look at it uh, because it's not us that bears the fruit, right? The farmer can't make the plant, uh, can't make the crop grow. No, it's it's God that bears the fruit in us. And I think all of us bear more fruit in our lives than we see at first glance. And it's, it's helpful and encouraging to ask the question. So, this first week, we'll take the first one in Paul's list, the first fruit of the Spirit, and that is love. Now, love is really too big of a topic. I was thinking as I was writing this sermon that I haven't preached very many sermons on love, which is ironic, isn't it? Because that's everything. Love is everything. It's all of faith. But it's a little difficult to talk about because it's too big. It's too nebulous of a topic. Uh, and there are so many different kinds of it that, that intersect us so differently. You know, there's a stage in life where we think first of romantic love. And usually when we're young, we think shallowly of romantic love because we haven't seen. We haven't explored the real depths of things yet. That's our starting point, right? You know, Valentine's Day hearts and whatnot. Uh, but as you grow into even romantic love, you realize it's something more. I would do anything for my, for my wife. <laughs> you know, it is an emotion, but it's more than an emotion. It's a whole being thing. Then there's love of family and of close friends. Now, all of us know this at least a little bit. Even if we, even if we think we don't have much love in our life, we at least know a little, right? Uh, for many, it's having children. You know, that moment of having children, love uh, smacks us upside the head. And all at once, we have tremendous love in our life. With other types of relationships, it tends to build a little more slowly, where that love, uh, that, that love uh, amounts over the years and over the generations. Uh, in, until it's impossible to desire, or impossible to deny just how much you love. And then there's other types of love, like love of creation, of the earth, of, of uh, all that is in the world around us. That would include love of animals. You know, I slipped one by you there. That puppy in the picture was my puppy. <laughs> <laughs> so you know which one I think is the cutest, <laughs> hands down, right? But, you know, even, even uh, uh, just, just being with a squirrel in a park, you can have a moment, right, of love for creation and all that God has made. There's a love of plants, a love of mountains, a love of a river, a love of a particular patch of ground. Even love of the arts, I would put in this category, by the way. That's creation, not just of God, but co-creation with an artist, writing a piece of music or a sculpture. These are all different types of love. Do you see what I mean about how love is difficult to talk about because it's so big? And some have wisely said 
that love really is a choice. It's not an emotion. Love is an action. It's something that we choose to do. Maybe it's even primarily that, choosing to devote yourself to something that's worthy of it, and that action of devoting yourself to something, even when it may be less than worthy on a given day, is an act of love. But when it comes to describing love, you simply cannot do better than 1 Corinthians 13, which we heard a moment ago, and I'll bet you a lot of you could rattle it off from memory, if only because of attending weddings over the years, a scripture that's so often used in weddings. But I want you to hear it again, and I'm going to pause. I'm going to pause and leave just a little bit of silence after, uh, after each one of the traits of love, and I want you to consider them as I do. Uh, I, I'm going to read the second part of it first here. Love is patient. Love is kind. It isn't jealous. It doesn't brag. It isn't arrogant. It isn't rude. It doesn't seek its own advantage. It isn't irritable. We can be irritable other times, right? But when it's love, it isn't. It doesn't keep a record of complaints. It isn't happy with injustice, but it is happy with the truth. Love puts up with all things, trusts in all things, hopes for all things, endures all things. Speaks for itself, doesn't it? But listen to what Paul says before that. He says, if I speak in tongues, in languages of human beings and of angels, but I don't have love, I'm a clanging gong or a clashing cymbal. Now, it's beautiful poetry. I want to make sure you get it. If I could speak every language in the world, if I could use words beautifully, if I could speak like Shakespeare, if I even knew the languages of angels, but I didn't have love, then all I'm doing is making noise. That's what he's saying, right? If I speak in tongues of human beings and of angels, but I don't have love, I'm a clanging gong or a clashing cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and I know all the mysteries and everything else, and if I have such complete faith that I can move mountains but I don't have love, I'm nothing. If I give away everything that I have and hand over my own body to feel good about what I've done, but I don't have love, I receive no benefit whatsoever. Love is everything. You know, one of the times that Jesus spoke of fruit it was, in the, it was in reference to a tree that wasn't bearing any fruit, a tree that had been barren for a long time. And Jesus said, you know, not unlike Paul there, you know, this tree hasn't borne fruit in so long. We might as well chop it down for firewood. <laughs> you know, in other words, for all it's worth, if it's not bearing fruit, if it doesn't have love, it's nothing. 
Now that story is notable because the farmer in Jesus' story uh, plays the role of grace and, says, and, and argues to give the tree another, an, another, uh, another shot. But that's a, that's a story for another day. But Jesus' point is made, right? And so is Paul's. If you don't have love, then, and, and if your life isn't bearing that kind of fruit, then you're missing out. It's evidence that, that, that God isn't in you as deeply as God wants to be. Uh, it, it's evidence that you need to open your heart. And remember now that love takes so many forms. Romance is only the tip of the iceberg. It can be love of family, of community, of nature and creation, of beauty and art. But one thing is 100% certain. If you allow God to work in your heart, then that fruit of love is going to show itself somewhere, somehow. So, how do you measure it? How do you know if you're doing it right? Well, you take time to interview the produce section. You know, take stock of the love in your life for a minute. Ask yourself what you would sacrifice for. What is it in this world that you would give up much for? the flaws of which you're willing to overlook because it's worth it despite the flaws. What is it that you, would, that you are willing to go the extra mile for? What is it that you're so convinced of its goodness that you would do anything for it? And, and, and maybe you haven't experienced that 100%. Maybe you've experienced it 50% or 25%. Even the desire to have love in your life like that, even, even the desire for it is evidence of God bearing fruit already. And so I ask you, is there the fruit of love in your life? Whether your answer is a lot or only a little, the next step is the same. Ask God. Ask God to increase the love in your life. It's a prayer that God will never, ever fail to answer. You do have to be open to it, though. It will mean that you'll have to make room in your life for that love to be there. And that may mean clearing out some of the weeds of the Spirit. We're going to hit that on another week in the series, by the way. <laughs> it may mean sacrifice. Though by the definition of love, it's a sacrifice worth making. But if you ask God for love, you will receive it. And I can't think of any more important prayer than that. For God to increase the love in the world starting with me, starting with us. And so, would you join me and we'll pray for it together. Oh God... Love takes so many forms, forms that, uh, that, that we see easily, forms that sneak up on us and we don't even realize how much the love has grown in our life. But God, we ask you today that you would increase the love in our hearts. We ask that you would bring even more love into our lives. Help us to see that which we would sacrifice for that we would be devoted to. Help us to see that which calls us to patience, to kindness, to all of the things in the, the, the scripture we read. And God, help us to smile. Help us to enjoy the fruit of love that you have placed into our hearts and into this world. And may we know that you are in it.
We pray it in Jesus' holy name, who loves us more than we can ever know. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's Sunday Sermon. For more information on growth groups or how to more fully embrace the life of faith, visit us at www.trinitylincoln.org.